turn our attention to our scripture reading, which comes to us from Matthew's Gospel, the sixth chapter, verses 25 through 34. A little bit different of an Advent passage for us this morning. And so I invite you to listen uh, to maybe these familiar words, but uh, put on uh, your real good listening ears and hats and hear this, the word of the Lord for us today. Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I am guessing that most of us in this room have thought a little bit about Christmas already. Uh, The things we need to do, the places we need to go, the stuff we need to buy. It's possible that some of us are on that pre-programmed autopilot mode where the decorations go in the same spot, the same baked goods have already been prepared, and the regular expected celebrations are in full swing. Is that anybody here? But what, what if, for just a second, we paused and we gave thought to a question? Here's the question for us this morning. What do you expect out of Christmas this year? What do you expect out of Christmas? If you're anything like me, the question's unsettling, unsettling because it feels, well, kind of just wrong to ask, right? Expect. What's there to expect? Christmas comes and goes, and we have family times, and gifts are exchanged, and that's about it, right? But what if that's not about it? A couple years ago, I noticed that the Christmas lists of my boys had changed. Gone were the Lego sets and the toys that were wrapped up in plastic and cardboard. Instead, we had digital purchases and requests for clothing. Now, being a giant kid myself, there was a lot of sadness in this when I could no longer play with my kids' Star Wars toys. <laughs> but then Ollie came along. <laughs> Got to start all over. Can I share something with you? Um, There's at least one thing about the younger gifts that I didn't miss. The packaging. 
Anybody else remember the sheer frustration of trying to help your child open up a package that has a hundred zip ties, plastic seals, and some kind of tape that they must use on the space shuttle? And once you get them open, you got to put all the silly little pieces together, and there's the inevitable band-aid that accompanies the, the pinched finger or the cardboard box paper cut that goes at least three inches deep into your skin. I was complaining to my mom about this not recently, and she goes, yeah, but it's worth it for the look in their eyes. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Because it's that rare thing when, when that toy hasn't already snapped by mid-afternoon. Oh, and don't even get me started on the wrapping. Good grief, my neck hurts just thinking about it. Wrapping, wrapping, wrapping. All to be ripped up and thrown away. And before you think I've gone full-scale Grinch this morning, let me ask a follow-up question. Those expectations that we've had for Christmas over the years, the gifts that we've received, the packages we've needed sticks of dynamite to open... How many of them do you remember? How many of them lived up to the expectations that you had or your kids had? Exactly. <laughs> she gets it already. Awesome. <laughs> do you know that annually Americans spend close to $500 billion during the holiday season? A billion, 500. It's estimated that globally we spend a couple trillion on the holiday season. 500 billion is a lot of money. That's a lot of expectations each and every year. And so the question is, is since we do this every year, it must mean since we spend so much that we're getting our expectations met, right? No, we're not. But we keep on trying because it's those same expectations that are far from being fulfilled, that create in us a longing, a deep longing for more. Did you know that 1.5 million people die every year from waterborne diseases? Our one agency has estimated that it would take just 10 to $20 billion to end the global water crisis of clean water for every man, woman, boy, and girl. Did you know that there are Americans living from Kentucky, living in Thailand in order to rescue children as young as two to three who've been used as drug mules and groomed for the sex trade industry? Did you know that there are individuals in Tijuana, Mexico, choosing to live in what we would consider poverty so that children who are not their own have a safe place to lay their head tonight? Did you know that 78% of the children in Guatemala live below the poverty line and that half Half are chronically hungry every day. Did you know that there are children in Lexington who go home on the weekend and won't receive a full meal until the following Monday when they go back to school? Do you know that many of these children, Thailand, Mexico, Guatemala, Lexington, they have no expectation for Christmas? Zero. These statistics, these stories, they're not meant to make us feel bad this morning or even to add to any Christmas worry that you might have brought in here today. They are instead invited, an invitation for us to consider if Christmas still changes the world around us. 
These statistics are meant to help us pause and, and maybe give thought to that our expectations of the season might be awry, might be just a little bit off. Sharing these statistics are meant to invite us to acknowledge the irony that we celebrate with muchness a baby and a Savior who was born with absolutely nothing. I was sitting in my in-law's living room on a Christmas afternoon. It was quiet. My boys had fallen asleep. The lunch dishes were put away. And it dawned on me as I sat in that chair how unhappy I was. I looked at the tree. I saw so many gifts, including my own pile. So many things that took up space all around me. And I felt cheated somehow. I couldn't help but wonder if this feeling of of inadequacy I was wrestling with was what Christmas was supposed to be about. It got worse a few days later when the credit card bills came in. (laughs) Certainly didn't get any better when those new trousers I got didn't fit because I ate too many cookies. A few weeks went by and I was speaking to a pastor friend of mine and he told me he had just experienced the greatest Advent and Christmas of his life. And I looked at him very skeptical and he noticed He said, Jim, I want you to read a book. Go and find it and give me your thoughts. The book was entitled Advent Conspiracy. I got online. I read the tagline, Christmas Still Changed the World. I bought it. I read it in an afternoon. And it was like finding someone who had peered into my soul and joined with this cry that Christmas just didn't feel right. Advent Conspiracy has four guiding tenets about it. The first we explored last week, worship fully. This story that we're a part of begins with worship. It always has and it always will. The question is, what or who are we worshiping? Are we bowing the knee to what we buy, to what we consume? Or are we realizing that God stepped into the squalor of humanity to rescue and redeem and restore the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, including the broken pieces in me and you? Final tenet is what we're going to look at next week. It's love all, and not in some goofy Hallmark way, but a rich, deep love that, that can be painful at times to the giver, to the recipient, to possibly those who are just looking and observing the kind of love that we are to give and share today. Though we want to look at two tenets that look, well, they look contradictory. Spend less, give more. Before I get to those, let's turn to the scripture reading, which may be the weirdest Advent passage of all time. Matthew 6 stands right in the middle of Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mountain. He has spent considerable time teaching his friends uh, how a person of of God, um, they can live a kingdom kind of way. Then he teaches them about prayer and he teaches them about fasting, these deeply spiritual things. And then he moves on to something really personally, talks about money. And he says to his friends that money can enslave us and it will always want more from us. Jesus says choosing this master, the master of money, will end up making you hate any other loyalty in your life, including God. And then Jesus says what might be the craziest thing possible at this point in his life. He says, hey guys, don't worry about your life. An absolutely insane thing for Jesus to say to the people around him on that mountain who were constantly fretting and worried about what was going to happen around them. 
The word worry is the Greek word merimamno, and it's the state of mind where you fret all over the place. It's when worry gnaws at you like a hunger pain. It's the kind of worry that causes you to miss sleep, and it freezes you. You've been so worried that you just sat and didn't know what to do do next. That's the kind of worry that Jesus is saying, stop. Jesus says, don't worry about your life, what to eat, what to drink. Don't worry about your body, what to wear. And he explains that the birds don't worry, neither do the flowers of the field. So why should we? He says, worrying about these things is what pagans do. A people who do not know that God is their Abba, their Father. This Abba God who already knows each and every need that we have. And instead of letting this worry consume us, Jesus says, make your top priority or seek first God's kingdom, God's way of life. And all of the worries of life will no longer be worries. It'll just be stuff you get to deal with. Now, notice he didn't say, hey, lay back and chill. He didn't say don't work. He didn't say go around naked, thanks be to God. (laughs) He said don't obsess about these things. It's that obsession, the accumulation that is the problem. There's the debilitation that comes with that kind of fretting. And worry. Jesus was very obviously not speaking about our 21st century holiday season, but I wonder how many of us have a good deal of Christmas worry right now. Anyone being eaten up by some expectations that are just chewing on you? See, it's this worry, this worry not thing that these two seemingly contradictory statements of spend less and give more directly touch for us today. Spending less is the easiest and the hardest element of the whole Advent conspiracy. It's easy because it's the most tangible thing we, did, we can do, but it's the most difficult because it's so counter to what the season has been, a, has, been a, has been about. When I first heard about spend less, I thought, well, compared to what? Last year to my neighbors? Does spending less mean that I'm not allowed to give gifts anymore? actually none of that. Spending less isn't about saying no to gift giving. Spending less is about finding new ways to spend the resources that we have. How many of you uh, have ever truly received an impersonal gift? Show of hands. Like a paperclip. <laughs> you know the gifts that, that, were, that you're shocked to receive. You're pretty sure they, got it. they picked them up at Walgreens on the way to the party. I've received some doozies over the year. I mean, my last church, just kidding. (laughs) Nah, spending less is a way to say instead of buying that sweater or that trinket that was a last minute thought, I'm going to spend on something that might change both of us. Instead of three video games, two of which are terrible anyway, we're going to put that money to a different giving use. We're going to make a difference in the life of a child who's hungry. We're going to be a part of a rescuing kids and slavery. We're going to join in communities that are making difference in the world. That's obviously where this giving more comes in. See, the more I'm talking about it is the more of the gift is of, of a presence, not presence. It's a giving that costs me much more, but not just financially. It's, a, it's the Advent season's ultimate crescendo is where? The birth of Christ. 
the incarnation. God being born in flesh. That's the gift of Christmas. And the gift of more that we get to, to give is the same gift that we've received. Giving more is best done when we're giving of our very self. Giving more is relational. It's intentional. It's done with this deep purpose. It's, it's done to make a difference. Giving more takes time because in the end, it's part of you that you're giving away. Next week, I'm going to share, you, share with you some more giving more ideas as we lean into this last principle of loving all. But I want to I want to share with you four ways that you can spend less and give more of yourself just this year in a way that can squash our Christmas worry. Sounds like a big sell, doesn't it? Typical of pastors. Hold on, because we're going to raise the bar even more. Most of you all received an email from Noel True and myself a couple weeks ago. In addition to that, you will receive, if you haven't already, our yearly Christmas letter. I'm sure many of you have seen the three boards in the hallways, and the obvious thought might come across you like, wow, this new pastor says spend less, but there's at least five to six things that he's asking more out of me. And that doesn't even count that he's going to beg to help us make sure we make budget this year. I get it. It looks like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but I'm not. The email from Noel, these boards, these are ways to spend differently. The men and women that I have the joy of leading as our staff bless us in ways that we can't even imagine. And to collectively respond to them, that's just what family does, y'all. Those three boards are three communities that are directly involved in working with and providing for children that have the deepest of needs. One board is for our ongoing partnership with CRI in Guatemala. Do you know we've done 11 trips there? We've raised thousands and spent thousands of dollars to be in ministry with our friends in Guatemala. The same thing can be said about Tijuana and Bittersweet Ministries. Our director of youth ministries goes to Tijuana every year. He sits on their board to share in loving ministry to the least and to the lost. I've not been with Bittersweet, but I've been in the slums of Tijuana. I've served food in the dump there to the scavengers who are just trying to find another way to make it another day. Mike and Sherry Morrissey are Kentuckians who serve kids in Thailand, who rescue children from the brothels, who foster infants and toddlers who were used to smuggle drugs. They've walked the red light districts, picking up the pieces of sexual brokenness and sin that would make most of us in this room wretch. They've raised up a generation of Christians who are now becoming pastors and teachers and doctors across that nation and giving back, and they are making a difference. And so when I ask you, to, when you leave here, to go by those boards and pick up one of the cards that are in there, I'm not asking you to spend more. I'm asking you to spend differently, to give to a loved one the knowledge that the gift you have given them has transformed a life. By all means, give that gift card or, or, or a game or those one, two, four items that are great gifts, but stop there. And instead, spend those other monies on life-changing gifts that can actually help make a difference and that can give Christmas away. Those three boards are out there for us to see how much those gifts can matter. Those boards are simple ways to bless someone by being a miracle in their lives. Each board has a unique card that you can take and you can determine how you want to be a part of changing the world. We're going to be collecting those cards each Sunday. 
You can put them in the offering. You can hand them to Rick over there or to Eric or myself at the end of worship. We're going to be collecting those. We're going to hold on to them. And on Christmas Eve, the little manger down here, my hope and prayer is it's going to be overflowing with ways in which Southern Hills is giving Christmas away. Um, that each and every one of them is an opportunity for us to show that Christmas can still change the world. It's a way to give in such a way that the one whose birthday we are really celebrating, well, we're celebrating. There's one final tangible way for you to give Christmas away, and it's by utilizing one of these bags right here. Our backpack ministry helps those kids in Lexington who don't get enough food over the weekend. And you know, they had this crazy ongoing idea that making sure those same kids have food over the Christmas break is a pretty good idea. Shocking. You can take one of these bags that'll be out the, the doors as you leave today. You can read the little red card. You can fill it. You can bring it up next Sunday and bring it over to the reception room. And you can make sure that kids right here in Lexington will have full bellies over Christmas break. I want to thank our team for this ministry that they do. All of them volunteers. Helping out to make sure our kids right here in our neighborhood have food. Let me close with this. I, I mentioned raising the bar. I'm not really. I'm inviting us to see that Christmas can be seen and celebrated with a very different set of lenses. A different set of eyes that the world around us invites us to, to actually expect that Christmas can change the world. It can change you and me, that you don't have to sit in a chair on Christmas afternoon and feel cheated. Instead, you can celebrate and you can truly let the joy to the world flood your soul. Reverend N.T. Wright wrote this in his commentary on today's passage. Has it ever struck you what a basically happy person Jesus was? Oh, we think Jesus, somber Jesus, quiet Jesus, holy Jesus. Jesus, to say, hey, don't worry about anything, he had to be pretty happy. Filled with a joy that can only come from above. If being a Christian is learning to be like him, then embracing joy, not worry, not consumption might just be a way to be as happy as he was and as happy as he is. So brother and sister, conspire with me. Spend less. Give more. Let's see what, how Christmas can still change the world. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity of this season to be still in the midst of so much busyness and fast-paced everything. Lord, it's once been said that this is the season of over-everything, over-indulging, over-eating, over-spending, over-busyness. So for just a quick second, we are still in your presence Drink up the reality that you are the God who is with us, the greatest gift ever given. That in a season of muchness around us, you want to invite and remind us that Christmas is best spent, is best celebrated when we give it away. So Lord, churn in our hearts, inspire our being and our way to find ways to make a difference. Jesus, we love you, we honor you, and we thank you.
for you truly are good. It's in your precious and holy name that we offer our prayers. And all God's people said, amen.